With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you watched Penn State and Illinois, you certainly feel something. Good, bad, angry. We've got all, we already have a bunch of outcoached, underutilized. There's some outrage in the chat already to start the show. I'm Thomas Rankar. Sean Fitz, Blue White Illustrated publisher, is with us. So let's just start with that, Fitz. Um, not the prettiest day for the offense, but outcoached? Like, how do you feel about this game coming out of it? Uh, with a fourth quarter that, once again, didn't matter to the outcome of the game. Yeah, very sleepy. That was a that was a dragger, man. That was over three three and a half hours of well, a lot of slop uh, defensively. Yeah. Of course, Penn State did what they wanted to do, controlled everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't look at that offensive performance and feel feel too pleased with yourself. Now, thirty points, a cover. You know, you've got those things working for you. But at the same time, Penn State missed a ton of opportunities on Saturday. Um, and you know, those, those things will catch up with you if you, when you play a better team. So, um, you know, credit to Illinois, they played hard. I thought defensive line, you know, really came out and did what they were supposed to do, what their reputation said they were supposed to do. So, yep. um, that was a, a, a punch in the mouth for Penn state, but, uh, yeah, they, they've got to, got to tighten up some things because those teams that they're going to play in later in the schedule that play similar styles, IE Michigan, that's, yep. that's going to be a problem there. Yeah, you said it, um, I think it was on Thursday, when you said that this team hadn't played up to their reputation on the defensive line and felt like they were due. Um, before the game, I, I said, I, I didn't see a good way for Penn State to run the football. They don't have the athletic quarterback that, uh, that Kansas did to create some of those problems. And this particular defense, the way that they're built, they're built to stop teams like Penn State. Both those things sort of played out in this game. But the obvious difference being Luke Altmaier turning the ball over four times a fumble to make five turnovers during the game. So the Penn State defense is smothering. I, I came into the show uh, on uh, earlier today uh, on the tailgate show saying this secondary hasn't been tested yet. They, they haven't. Nobody's thrown on them. And the first time somebody decides to throw the football against Penn State and they throw four interceptions. So a, a pretty good day for the defense overall, but that secondary running routes for the receivers at some points today. Yeah, their hands were tested today by Luke Altmaier, who was finding them all over the place. That was yeah. pretty ridiculous. Daquan Hardy back, and he looked like a guy that really wanted to get back. He he ran a route for a receiver. Johnny Dixon did the same. Uh, Abdul Carter running down the seam wide open. Altmaier hit him right in, right in the numbers. So... Yeah, boy, that was uh, that's one of the worst quarterback performances you could look at and say, you know, and and, and Illinois didn't do anything crazy. Like Reggie, Reggie yeah. Love played fine, uh, twelve carries, fifty five yards. He had that twenty yard run on the third and twenty two, which can't happen. Um, had the touchdown run where he ran over two guys. Um, so you know, I I think that we get we we watch this team from play to play, and you think what's going on with the run defense? The run defense was fine. Um, Penn State yeah. uh, really put put in a situation where they just had to keep going out there and you know, 16 to seven at halftime. I said it the other day. I wouldn't be surprised if it was close at halftime, but you know, when you say it on Thursday and when you watch it on Saturday, you're just kind of like, man, come on, let's go. Um, yeah. so, so Penn state was, it was able to bounce back. Uh, drew was not on point 48% completion percentage today. Uh, missed some guys, uh, had Keandre Lambert Smith, what would have been a touchdown. And I think you'll have that in your first start. So you get some leeway there, but, uh, he's gotta be sharper. Receivers gotta be yeah. sharper. Malik McLean, a uh, couple of drops that, you were in that first start. You get in there, and 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 that's what you do with it. That's uh, that's that's a tough one. So, um, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, a lot of hand wringing after that one. Um, you know, they'll come back home next week. Iowa obviously is going to present some defensive challenges. Yep. Um, the, the thing that you just kept looking to um, with uh, with Illinois is they're throwing eight nine in the box, and those numbers don't didn't change. It wasn't a situation where they were coming up, showing one defensive look, and then switching into another defensive look. They were saying, hey. If you're going to run at us, run over us. And and 
no matter how many times you go or what kind of talent you have up front, you're going seven against nine up front. It's not going to work. And Penn state found yep. that out fairly often in the first half. And then they couldn't keep the chains moving um, as much as they would want to. So, yeah, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot of stalling, a lot of uh, things that you don't come away encouraged with, but um, you know, go on the go, winning on the road in the Big Ten is very hard, even against yep. inferior opponents. Uh, Penn State found one of those today and was able to grind them down. And, you know, two years ago, we're talking about a 10-10 game at the end of regulation. Now we're talking about a 30-13 to game. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I was just going to underscore here, looking at the just the drive charts. One of the things I said coming into this game is you can't go three and out. You mentioned this, that this, the defensive line is not incredibly deep for Illinois. So once they get on the football field, you can make some movement in the run game. Even if you aren't breaking off long runs, you'll get some more decisive wins, especially on the interior. Well, Penn State went three and out for one yard to start their first drive. They did put together a field goal drive next, then they, they got the ball on a short field, had four plays for negative six yards, and then finally, you know, as the second quarter starts, 12 plays, 57 yards, and a touchdown for Katron Allen. So they went three and out one, two, three, four times, and then a four and out, which was on a short field. So the game script did not go Penn State's way offensively. And they won 30 to 13. This is a much improved team over what we've seen uh, the last time these two teams came in. And this is what we were talking about all week of this is not the same Illinois team, but they can present challenges for the Nittany Lions. We are here on the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frankar. He is Sean Fitz. We're talking about Penn State and Illinois. If you're watching the video, if you're watching this show here, please like the video and share with your friends. Having a great uh, crowd so far. Get to your questions and comments. A lot of people have a lot of opinions. Chuck Cloud's already got a thousand opinions in here about how Penn State performed. Uh, we'll get to some of these. We won't be able to get to all of them. And if you want to ensure that your uh, your question or your comment gets on the channel, please, uh, uh, if you would, donate a super chat to the channel. It makes it not just that so we donate money and that's how you get on air. Literally, I have to read through everything. And if it's colored, which it is in my system, I will absolutely see it and be able to get it on air. So we're gonna, that's where we're going to start here. A little more active than the uh, the Thursday and Monday shows here in the chat. This is, uh, yeah. this is the first time Welcome I've done it the- this year. And it's yeah, there's, there's plenty of opinions. I'll give them that. Welcome to the post game show. It can get real fun. You know, after after some night games, we can have almost a thousand people here. And I love to have that every single time. So tell your friends we're having a good time here on the post game show. Kenneth Coral, we're gonna get to this. Uh Aller doesn't throw a dangerous ball, and that matters. I don't know that he doesn't throw a dangerous ball. I think that's highly inaccurate. I think the problem was one of the things we've seen is if you you can rattle him from a fundamental standpoint, from a technique standpoint. I thought his feet were a little dirty today. He didn't have a clean feel for the pocket. Felt a little rushed, a little uh, uh, pressed. But when he needed to, 35 yards strike, a perfect ball to Liam Clifford. And then another one that I thought was really good, a cover three shot to uh, Dante Cephas. Dante Cephas falls out of his break and isn't there to get the ball. That was on the money between three receivers. So he just, some of the balls didn't work today, but I thought overall he was a little bit rushed. How did you feel Aller performed in in his first road start? A little jumpy, you know, first road start, you're going to get that. But, uh, you know, he missed high and outside. So I think when he says he doesn't throw dangerous balls, when he misses, I think he misses pretty well. So okay. um, there, are, there are times when you're kind of I read of that. I and, see what you mean now. I apologize. I read that the wrong way. I see what he's saying. Doesn't no, throw, I mean, da- throw balls into danger. I see. Yeah. So I, I would say that's, that's the way that I would handle that statement, but I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he missed a couple of guys high. I mean, Katron Allen hauls that ball in out of the T formation. We're probably having a different conversation right now. Like it, they, yeah. they did not get into a rhythm. They did not get into anything. Again, talk about the McLean drops, talk, talk about a couple of drops. Um, just really not in sync. And some of that stuff is correctable. Other stuff, you know, I think the receivers without Trey Wallace, you had an opportunity to step up and and I'm not sure that really anyone did. Caden Saunders did a nice job and uh, yep. he, he ended up with uh, two catches, only two catches for 19 yards, which actually seems lower than I thought he did. But uh, that's kind of where that they were at. Wanted to see them match up with receiver or, or excuse me, running backs and tight ends and get into the flats and, and get around. They did that a little bit with Nick Singleton yep. um, and Tyler Warren uh, eventually. So that was a pleasant surprise, but uh, those receivers, man, uh, after two very good weeks, have uh, they took a step back. I, I collectively took a step back as a group. Yeah. Um, Nick Singleton leading the game overall with 86 total yards, and he probably had another 100. I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but there were a couple of plays where on those Malik McClain drops, 
And this is something that uh, a couple of people have talked about here in the chat in terms of not getting the ball to the tight ends and to the running backs and to the playmakers and underutilizing Nick Singleton. This is uh, Chris Hale said, um, ready to take the next step. I don't know if we can with Franklin. He said something earlier here in the chat. I want to make sure. Here we go. Uh, the offensive coaching staff is underutilizing a lot of talent. Singleton is being wasted. It's time to unleash Caden Saunders, not be a contender if this continues. Chris, there were two times that Nick Singleton had a, an open route where he was running into the flat on the backside of the play. Drew Aller decided to take the easy access cover three throw on the front side. If he recognizes the matchup on the backside, Nick Singleton, there's no one covering him. He has at least 20 yards. So it is also on the quarterback to make the decision. I don't fault uh, I don't fault Drew Aller for wanting to throw the thing that's obvious and easy in front of him. And if his receiver catches the ball, it's an ah shoot almost on the backside. It's something you can come back to later. But the result in the end was a three and out in that situation because of the dropped ball. I do think that it was a struggle to get the ball to the tight ends. Are, are you surprised by that generally, that it has been as much of a struggle, fits to get the ball to the tight end so far? I think he's missed a couple of those guys. You know, you talk about Theo Johnson in the end zone. That's a throw that he can make. We've seen him make uh, even in the limited time. So, yeah, a little bit, um, especially with the way that Illinois defense was built. Um, yeah. Not only built in terms of the guys that could not hang with the speed of the tight ends and the running backs, but also... When you throw nine guys in the box, there's going to be something, a little RPO, something like that over the middle. So I was a little bit surprised by that. Again, Tyler Warren, three catches. Theo Johnson, two catches. He only had 15, 17 completions total. Yeah. And one of those was Trey Potts throwing a touchdown pass. As we, <laughs> we, I think we covered that in the show earlier this week. I'm sure everybody oh, sure. saw that coming. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's tough to nail down. I think you've got, uh, you expected more from Keandre. Um, he, you know, after he took that penalty early, which, I mean, I'm not wasn't crazy about that, um, yeah. but uh, he seemed to get out of sync a little bit. Just three catches for 23 yards um, for a guy as talented as that. That's that's tough to see. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit, little bit of that just all spread around. You had guys that were effective, like out of the slot, like Liam Clifford. That that throw that uh, um, that that Aller made before the end of the first half was a definite big league throw. It was also a really good route, really good catch yeah. by by Liam on the sideline there. So you had some of the stuff that you wanted to see. It just it didn't didn't quite all come together. It's uh, we've the the defense had five turnovers should have had about seven, uh, but we're talking about the Penn State offense because it was at, what was it at halftime sixteen to seven 16, or something seven like that? yeah yeah and that's that's what making people feel a certain way and that's exactly what HF transplant says it was ugly and my blood pressure has risen but at least they covered the spread and post game with T Frank and Fitz is always awesome appreciate you having here and also isn't that what football's supposed to do like you got both things today. You got to feel the full gambit of emotions from anger to frustration to elation to relief. And now you're here on the postgame show and you get to release all of that energy. So, I mean, you got a full football game meal from the Penn State offense today. And a nap. Yeah. <laughs> if you were <laughs> awake through the fourth quarter, uh, that's great. The, the K-State-Missouri finish was great. Uh, there was a couple of good games in the, in the noon window. I would not label Penn State-Illinois as a great game. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Kind of where we're at coming out of it, and it's and it's interesting because the defense, I just they were just so so effective, and and not only with the turnovers, and you can say yes, Altmaier threw them, handed them the ball, like basically a couple mm -hmm. of times, but guy like Adisa Isaac playing as well as he did, yep. um, they took advantage of the things that we said they would take advantage of that right tackle spot. I know Illinois did some shuffling, they had some injuries and things like that, but Penn State was able to take advantage of that. Um, I don't quite have the yards per carry stat here, but uh, outside of a few, like the 20-yard run by Love, Penn State actually locked down pretty well. I thought the interior defensive line... 2.1 today. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, that's more than good enough. Like, they, like we, yeah. we get sucked into, especially early in the game, somebody gashing them for eight yards, and then all of a sudden the run defense sucks. Yep. You got to know what you're watching here, and you got to expect to to buckle in for the entire 60 minutes or three and a half hours as, as it would be today. So I thought Penn yeah. State's run defense was uh, equally up there with the way that they played uh, Altmaier, which, boy, man, uh, that's those some Gary Nova vibes, which uh, <laughs> you, you don't want to have Gary Nova vibes. Yeah.
Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple thoughts on him just in a second, but today's sponsor of the show is alumlodge.com. Alum Lodge, if you want to come to a Penn State football game, I don't know if you know this, Fitz, but coming up next, it is the Whiteout, one I've of the biggest games. You've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal in college football. You could come to that game and you could stay uh, like Fitz and I stay in a very nice house. I'm not saying you're staying in Fitz's house, but alumlodge.com. I don't know if you know this or not. Alumlodge.com has an excellent uh, array of houses where you can stay in Happy Valley and get different experiences depending on what you want. They have a horse ranch out in Belfont. They have something downtown in Trees. They have something in Park Forest. So if you know those areas of State College, those are very nice locations where you can have a different experience based on what you want and the experience you want. Alumlodge.com strives to deliver a customized service that meets unique needs of each guest stay. So you return time and time again. The home slate is filling up. I was working on uh, during the fourth quarter. What I was doing is I was going through Alum Lodge and I was putting in all the home games and I was seeing what was available. There's not as much as you would want. So go right now to alumlodge.com and use the promo code BWI to get 10% off your booking. Uh, this is, to make it simple, this is Airbnb, but just for Penn State fans. And, and not just for Penn State home games, but for Penn State fans that want to come and enjoy Happy Valley. They offer concierge services to uh, set up the house exactly as you want it and visit Happy Valley. Maybe you want some local wines from the area. I know some great cideries. I know some great places that you can get a growler of beer. Uh, maybe you want some particular stuff in the refrigerator when you get there. All those things, they'll prepare, shop, and arrange the home for specifications to enjoy your stay. So check out alumlodge.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, get to this here from KJ Johnson in just one second, but I want to let him know we're, we see you there. Um, you mentioned Altmeyer. One of the things coming into this game, uh, if you go back and watch the Kansas game and the Toledo game, is they throw a lot of those slot fades and those go balls and and where he places the ball coming in the game he made some good completions some tough catches some back shoulder stuff in the first couple games but he consistently put the ball to the inside and that's what happened today penn state forced the ball funneled it into those throws he left it low and inside and jo johnny dixon did this uh daquan hardy did this they just ran the route for the receiver turned around and caught the football so Altmaier, those he he had to make some of those throws in terms of there was pressure, but he didn't have to make them as poorly as he did. And that was something, you know, you look at the film and you go, where's Penn State, where are they going to attack? One of the areas I thought they attacked well, Jalen Reed in the slot, that was, you know, getting Williams on Reed, that was a good play for them. But consistently, that matchup went in Penn State's favor. Um, I want to ask you this question, Fitz, from KJ. On the flip side, looked like Aller was throwing off his back foot even when he didn't need to. Was that something you noticed? It, it I mean, I'd have to look at it a second time. I mean, you, 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 he was not, I wouldn't say settled in, and there was some good protection. There was some bad protection. Uh, Newton yeah. from, uh, from Illinois was awesome. Like, he was all yeah. over the place today, um, and he was a guy that would attack you from all over that line of scrimmage. Like, wherever he lined up, he was a force, and he... They, they said it a couple of times on the broadcast and by the first time, first broadcast I've seen uh, this year from start to finish, um, they were placing him on guards and he's a monster against guards. Yep. He took Sal Wormley a couple of times and took him for a ride. So um, that was interesting. I think Drew maybe kept the eyes down a little bit more than we've seen in the first two weeks. And I think you'll do that with a strong pass rush and you'll do that, uh, you know, against a better quality of athlete than, uh, than obviously faced last week against Delaware. So, as far as throwing off his back foot, I mean, I think you're going to have that sometimes. But honestly, I think he's of the guys that we've seen thrown off the back foot. He can get he can get the ball there pretty quickly. I think yes. that was an interesting um, uh, sort of wrinkle for this offense today is they were so confident in the out the first two weeks of the season because Drew can get it out there so far. Yep. Was it a situation where they maybe scaled back on that a little bit? Because, you know, if you mess that out or you miss that out, then it could go back the other way and you don't want to give them momentum, undo momentum. Um, so that was an interesting lack of that. And, you know, he was yeah. just kind of skittish today. And, and I think you'll have that. Like it, yeah. it, it's tough to nail down why, or even go, even going back to the, uh, 
going back to the tape, it's going to be tough to, to figure out why. But the important thing is that he has that tape. He has that ability to look at those defenses and see why he was maybe just a beat off today. And uh, yep. that's not exactly what you want to see uh, on the road in the Big Ten. But the again, going back to it, first start on the road, you got to give him some slack. Yeah, the the press man coverage. Uh, we talked about this coming in with um, with Illinois. Are they going to play zone? Are they going to stick with what the, the dance, you know, stick with the person they brought to the dance? And today, one of the things that you saw, I thought, was when they did throw some of those, not the deep outs, but maybe some of the speed outs to Liam Clifford, the timing was off. And it was a tight throw. Like They missed, they was, missed Trey Wallace today. Yeah. Yes, they missed him a lot. There was, there was a lot of... Um, throws that were just off because I think Aller the timing was off because he was rushed but also the window was tight and this is another conversation we had coming into the game are we going to see Penn State's receivers win against tight press man coverage and uh, you know even the tight ends I, I thought when they had their opportunities they didn't get open a whole lot of like big wide open windows for Aller that you might have thought going through what we saw from Kansas the week before, even against some of those interior coverage defenders. So Illinois played a better game and Penn State uh, definitely missed their explosive receivers on the outside the way they had it arranged early in the year. Pete Anthon says, I don't know what that was exactly, but whatever it is, Penn State won. So yay. Uh, a comment. You want to respond to that? It's hard. It's hard to win football games. Like it, it seems like a cop out when you're the better team, obviously. But it's it's hard. Like you, you kind of forget that sometimes because we look at point spreads and we look at all that stuff and we look at video games where you score on every possession. It's it's yeah. hard to win, and that's and sometimes it happens. You look at Florida State today; they're playing a terrible Boston College team. They win by two, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's college football. That's why we love it, and that's why we get the heart palpitations when we don't always love it. Yeah. I, I, that was the, um, it was an ugly game and they were able to win. And that's an important thing. And like we said, to start the, the, to start the show, getting 30 points in this game is important. Like get, getting that obvious win in a situation where a couple years ago, maybe that doesn't go your way. Ryan says defense seemed to be better in gear gap assignments, not a fan of fourth quarter subs in a game like this. Let the starting offense continue. They want to get Bo Prabula into the game. That has been something that James Franklin talked about on the Thursday show, uh, the Thursday coaches show on uh, the radio that they, they view Bo Prabula. And we saw this even week one when the game was kind of close, they trust him to be in there and to get those reps. They, the, I don't think it's just um, uh, I, I don't think it was just uh, appeasing him in the in the training camp battle between him and Drew Aller that he was a significant he was a good quarterback a starting quarter a quality quarterback is what you and what um, uh, Nate Bauer were talking about during training camp and, and that kind of seems to be reflected in how early they'll put him in games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they want to play him to number one get him ready, number two put some of that stuff on tape. I mean, you saw the mm -hmm. the sort of what was it Wildcat handoff or whatever he took and, and went to the sweep. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more diversity there and a little bit more of using his other guys and yeah. a little bit of patience when he's throwing the ball because he doesn't need to throw it 100 miles an hour to Nick Singleton when he's five feet in front of him, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah you, you want him to grow up. You want him to, I mean, and, and Penn State felt very comfortable. I think it was 30 to seven at that point. Um, so again, this is like the, the, the show against West Virginia two weeks ago. They were up 16 points, 15 points, two scores, whatever it was. And they yep. felt comfortable enough to do that. I think it's Penn State coached this game like they felt comfortable with where they were at, no matter if it was just up six points or whatever, just before halftime or, you know, in, in the end when they started to, to pile it on. I think they got a lot of a decent amount of rotation guys in, played the second team defense, eventually played Probula. Um, and I think that that's something that you can kind of lean on later in the season. Like you, you, you'll be fresher because of it. I don't know that it's necessarily going to make everybody feel great today, um, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's a good spot to be. I think when we talk about the offense, we talk about this, I think you can push that fourth quarter aside and go back to the stuff that they sort of tripped over themselves early. I mean, Tyler mm -hmm. Warren takes that ball down to the two, you get in the T formation, which what the, what's that been? That's been an automatic touchdown for Penn state yep. in that situation. Did um, you notice Illinois, what's that, that? Illinois, uh, Illinois, when they were not ready, took a timeout twice. And Correct. I thought that was a big factor that instead of just lining up and letting whatever happen, they took a timeout and then stopped what they were expecting on the next play. That's that. That was a huge thing. 
And then in the second half, when they did the exact same thing, it wasn't at it wasn't at the goal line. Penn State adjusted, motioned out of the T formation, found Nick Singleton for a big gain. So there's yep. a little bit of evolution there in that package that you know Penn State's been pretty well. Um, I don't know. They they haven't had to be creative in that sense, and they were able to do that. So I think that that's a baby step. I don't know that this is going to be one that Mike Yersich looks back and says, I called my best game by any stretch of the imagination, but they did yeah. some things where they, they had to adjust. They, they made those adjustments and you know, it goes back lack of execution in the first half. You should have turned those turnovers into touchdowns and Penn state yep. was not able to do that. It's a very simplistic take, um, but I'm going to certainly stand by that because Penn state uh, really shot themselves in a foot in the foot several times in the first half. Yeah. The offensive rhythm um, just, you talked about it a couple times, but that really was the story of the game because once they lost it, they didn't quite get it back. And I think that even on a day when Drew Aller wasn't playing his best and maybe he was a little rushed and he never fully fell apart. He was still able to make clutch plays. And we, we talk about Jerzon Newton um, causing problems in pass protection, which was absolutely a part of the conversation. Drew Aller's scrambling was good today in terms of getting positive yards in critical situations. He was able to move the chains to get them in, in position for a field goal and not panic in the pocket. He never panics. And his 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 leg drive, I was impressed. I didn't know I was going to see that from him uh, in this game where he was able to take, uh, take a guy for a ride for two or three yards and uh, get a conversion and get extra yards there. So even, even when it was in his best day passing, his decision-making, I think, was spot on. Yeah. And he's a big dude. Like he is a yeah. load. He is like, uh, they, we, we've seen some of those guys in the past that they, they're not fast. Drew's not fast, but he can, he can, you know, carry for a couple yards. And instead of falling forward for a yard, he's falling forward for three or four. And that changes your entire schedule, changes your play calling for a second and six instead of second and nine. Um, so that's, that's a positive there. And yeah, I, you don't want to see him run too much, but he, he looks comfortable doing it. And I think that that's certainly going there. Again, the mistakes were there. Uh, you talk about the the penalties, the Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, unsportsmanlike, which I, I think you see that about 10 times a game. He just got caught doing yeah. it. Um, yeah. And some of those other little things where you just, it was a team that was just a little bit mentally off today. And that's uh, that's something they've got to button up. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things I want to highlight, some of my notes from the game. Abdul Carter, we haven't talked about him yet. Uh, there's a reason he's on the thumbnail. He was blowing things up and making plays, even though he wasn't getting all of the tackles. There was a drive where he stopped to run plays cold himself um, and then forced the, the, the cut back and then somebody else makes the tackle. They set up a lot of plays for him to make the play where you overload the one side of a running play. He's kind of lurking on the backside when the running back cuts back or in the passing game, when the quarterback breaks the pocket, he's ready to to pounce on those players. He had probably his, not probably, he had his best game of the season, and I loved the way he was playing selfless football. There was one play, the, the one play I'm thinking of, it, I'll just describe it. He, the, there was a counter run where they're pulling two guys to the front side. He beats everyone over the top. He hits the inside guard. The running back has absolutely nowhere to go. And then I, I think it was maybe Chop Robinson or Kalen King. Somebody cleaned it up for a no-yard game. But he forced the play single-handedly off the point of attack and then came back with a pressure to end the drive. So Abdul Carter playing excellent today. You also mentioned it earlier. Defensive tackles, I thought, came to play on Saturday. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, you know, no matter who was in there. Like, it, it, I think... When the other team gets good runs, you're going to say, hey, the defensive tackles are not doing their job, which, you know, when you look at the tape, that's not obviously always the case. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But I thought those guys stepped up. They made some tackles. Um, <laughs> I laughed at Devon Ellis getting an unsportsmanlike. You never yeah. know what's being said in there. But of all the unsportsmanlike you see, he gets a flag and 15 yards. And, and, and you don't need that at that point. Um, but, I mean, come on. Like, what are we doing? And, and I didn't see the Illinois unsportsmanlike. It just seemed like there was a quick whistle today. Um, there was, yeah. With the basketball terms. But 2.1 yards per rush on 29 carries, Penn State's going to take that, like, especially on the road. So I thought that they they handled themselves well. But you're right. Um, not to belabor the point here, but Abdul Carter typically, like, can make up for when he's in the wrong spot with his athleticism. And when he's in the right spot, like he was today, it's it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch a guy like that um, dropping back, make that making that pick. But beyond that, just getting to the edge, um, him, uh, Carter and Curtis Jacobs, I thought today made some nice plays to just uh, turn yep. some things back inside. And sometimes that's the the best play. Sometimes it's an overlooked play, but sometimes it's the best play. So uh, Carter, 
Uh, I don't have the stats, the defensive stats up because uh, DeLuco actually in, uh, led the team. I thought yep. Adisa Isaac played well, but Carter was was kind of all over the place today. Yeah, and, and those kind of selfless plays too of, wow, that that was somebody else made the play, but it, it, it just, there was a lot of good team defense today. It seems like from that gap, sound conversation Pence took a step today after some uh missed tackles early in the game um they were able to fix that clean that up but there were a couple times Pence never makes it easy on like third and 22 when you allow a 20 yard run and suddenly it's fourth and two and there's a decision for the offense to make um how do you feel about that particular play you've got two corners on backside contained which sometimes that happens you don't love that Johnny Dixon blitzing off the edge doesn't get the tackle for a loss but how did you feel about the tackling today overall, given maybe a bit of a sluggish start, but then, you know, making it work and then every once in a while, I know fans here in, in the chat are saying sloppy tackling, going to kill us against Michigan, 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 Michigan. So what do you think? Michigan. Are they talking about Michigan? I missed that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the tackling issues need to need to button themselves up. I mean, and they will. Like, you're three weeks into the season. You're playing on a different surface. You're playing, you know, you're overrunning plays. And I think that was a, a situation that they had today was just overrunning them a little bit. Um, so that that was one of those things. In fact, I think I tweeted it in the first or second drive. Penn State was getting the penetration that they wanted and getting the complementary gaps filled. And they weren't finishing plays. Eventually, they started finishing those plays, and they were, they were okay after that. So I think that was good. Uh, yeah, the backside pursuit is I think is going to be an issue, like that they need to take care of, especially before Michigan. You know, because Michigan is so success successful in, in going to the backside, and uh, that's really what the that's how they ran away from Penn State last year. So things to button up there. But like, if we're gonna break down the defense, like defense did its job defense was yeah. it was another game where they gave up seven points and then the uh the uh backup d came in they gave up that extra touchdown there at the end so very similar to west virginia um yeah you've got to you got i don't know we're spending so much time on the defense that it's it's tough to come up with fresh takes because they were you know, pretty solid for the most part across the board yeah yeah uh this question coming in from uh a Zorus fire. I be be glad you never have to read usernames on air. Uh, yeah. Cold fits, but uh, a Zorus fire eighty six says, "Why bother getting top running back talent if they have no intention of proving run blocking?" This is the problem. Uh, fits the, the the general consensus coming out of this game today is that Penn State was terrible at run blocking, and it's never it's never that. It's never they were awful. It was it, it's usually. One guy struggles in a particular situation, and you've got two or three really positive blocks. I watched Salim Wormley and J.B. Nelson both annihilate guys on plays today. But maybe a tight end doesn't get a block. So to say that Penn State has not improved their run blocking is incorrect. To say that Illinois won this matchup because of their defense, their style, their strength inside, and just getting one guy free or having eight in the box or however they're deciding to stop the run... I think we have, you're coming to Blue White Illustrated to the post-game show to Fitz and I for nuance. This is not a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. From a run-blocking perspective, I, I guess just kind of getting your thoughts on that particular group up front, did you notice anything live in the moment other than Jerzon Newton is destroying most of these plays because he's a top 15 pick? Yeah, there's two, there's two things there. Uh, number one, they, they could not find Newton. Like, they, they had to find him every play. I mentioned yeah. uh, finding Isaiah Williams every play on offense, but Newton was the guy, like, clearly on defense, probably the best player in the field today. Like, he was awesome. Like, there there's that. Number two, like, Penn State was pretty stubborn in what they did. Like, they were outnumbered yes. and decided to try to run into those numbers. And it's not about how well you – quote unquote run block and, and nobody knows what they're looking at with offensive linemen like myself included like you go back and you think you know you think you can take a guess at that but let's let's just remember that um but uh no you when you're seven against nine you're not going to win that battle most of the time penn state tried to win that battle and is it a situation where they're trying to i don't know trying to figure themselves out more than figure the, the illinois defense out like figure put they're gonna find themselves in the situation where they find a lot of guys in the box as well where they're asking drew to beat them over top and you've got yeah. deep safety over top and maybe maybe that's the case but like it's not a situation where penn state's offensive line was like dastardly at run blocking there were, <laughs> there were some missed yeah. assignments absolutely but it's not a situation where you're, you're trying to drive the nine people at the line of scrimmage off the ball for six yards. It's, it's not going to happen. Like, and before yeah. you like put those expectations out there, it's not going to happen. 
I also want to put this in context as well, and I'm going to make this as large as I can so everyone can see here on the screen. Uh, this is the, the, the post-game box score. And what started out as terrible from an average yards gained perspective landed in a pretty okay spot. Catron Allen, 13 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown along of 18. Bo Prabula, this is this, this is something we talked about in terms of the blueprint to beat Illinois. Why they were so bad a week ago was the quarterback could run and force them to make plays in space. Bo Prabula comes in, nine carries, 47 yards. You can see the massive difference that the athletic quarterback can make when you've got those players on the field. Now, Nick Singleton, 11 carries, 37 yards. That did not meet out, but like... You got running plays, if you consider the full game in the fourth quarter and everything, and I know it's a blowout at that point, but 4.1 yards per carry here, that's not bad. That is not a bad place to be. It's not what you were getting before. It's not what you would like. You'd still like to get some explosive plays. But this was not the worst offensive performance from a run blocking and a run production standpoint that we've seen. It wasn't. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit just because I think the fourth quarter kind of irrelevant in this in this thing. 5.2 yards per carry by Bo really doesn't factor into what you're looking for from the running game as a whole. Um, Katron, I thought, ran the ball fairly well um, with yeah. the space that he had. Um, again, I, I think there were a couple situations where Penn State is just maybe a half half a tick away. You know, Nick Singleton gets caught uh, by the ankles. You know, just these little things where you think that these guys are going to potentially break it and and it just doesn't happen so yeah uh, i'll disagree with you a little bit on the uh the run game run game needs to be better absolutely but i don't think yeah. it's a situation where it's a dire situation or i don't think it is a scenario where it's a dire situation for the run game right now yeah yeah i think that's fair to to point out like the fourth quarter didn't matter um, I guess the, the point making like Bo Prabula and his legs did have an effect on the Illinois offense that they didn't have because Penn State's offensive schemes don't really match up well against an Illinois team that can hold the edges of the, of the tackle box and can also blow up the interior. And, and they didn't have anything laterally that was going to get them yardage. So this was going to be a tough thing, but they still were able to Catron Allen run through some guys schematically. I just have to rant here for a second, though, and and, and not to. Not to talk out both sides of my mouth, but this is one of the frustrating things I have watching some of the run I, concepts is when you go to tight ends and you motion the receiver down in the formation, two things happen. One, I immediately think you're running to the strength of formation because you're trying to bounce to the outside. The NFL, they do this all the time. And here's the problem. It brings receivers into block. Receivers are not good at blocking. Secondarily, you're adding more players to the formation. You're adding more, usually defensive backs. They walk a safety down in, uh, into those gaps. So there's just more room for chaos. And for Penn State, Nick Singleton right now is struggling to break that tackle and get that big run. So he didn't have success the couple times he tried, and they, they had this formation, this scheme. Then you've got Katron Allen, who has the moves, but when he breaks outside, he's not breaking a touchdown. So just this formation, you're bringing everybody in, you're, you're bringing all 11 players into the field. I just, my biggest problem with it is just you, you are creating traffic. And usually that is better for the defense than it is for the offense. But then they get a touchdown off that because they break a tendency and go to the backside with Katron Allen for a touchdown. So what do I know, you know? Yeah. And the Singleton touchdown, there was nothing crazy there. Like you want to see yep. good run blocking? I mean, it was, it was fine, but they just wore Illinois' defense down. They did not have the depth, and that's really what this game is about. It's about uh, having the the uh, having the horses over four quarters. Um, Penn State did, and they were able to finally find a seam. And Nick was not touched, so that's uh, yep. that's kind of what you're looking for from a running from a run game in the Big Ten is to to wear those guys out, and they they certainly did that. So, uh, I mean, I I don't I don't get all the hand wringing. I think there's improvements that definitely have to be made when you face those big ones on the um, or those big teams on the schedule. But uh, yeah, it's the sky is is far from falling at this point. Yeah, just two years ago in nine overtimes, the, <laughs> the sky was down that day. The sky yeah. is just kind of medium today. Uh, but KJ Johnson here back. He's uh, he's been active in the chat. Appreciate you donating to the channel here, KJ. He says you both have been convinced that the sky isn't falling despite the sloppy win. Time for a victory beer. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll buy you around the next time we see you. Appreciate the donation here from KJ. Um, so Penn State wins 30 to 13. 
Uh, defense leads the way. Pretty simple. Luke Altmeyer was not good. And uh, actually, one thing that I did want to mention here, one the last thing I'll mention on Luke Meyer, Altmeyer, and this is probably the last note I have from the game, is him getting hurt. I mean, Vanover falling into his leg, I think changed the dynamics of the game early where he was not as mobile. He wasn't able to get out and run, and that kind of forced him to be a quarterback from the pocket, and we saw the results of what happened. It took it sort of in, in one way took a, like half the offense away from Illinois and what they were going to try and do today. Yeah. I wouldn't go half the offense and I don't know that he was great before that. So like, yes, I, I think he's a little bit less mobile and, and honestly a lot of his, his rushing t- totals came from that late run against Kansas last week. So maybe that was a little bit, we, maybe we spent a little bit more time on that think to, thinking about his mobility, thinking about his, his, his Garrett greenness um, than we should have last week because he just wasn't that guy. I don't think he was that he was that guy before Amin fell into his legs. So I, yes and no. The fact is that he missed inside and you can't miss inside on these, yep. uh, on these corners. I thought the corners played fantastic. Like we're, and, and that's not to speak of Kalen King. Cause I don't think Kalen King had his best game. Like Johnny Dixon yeah. was great. Hardy was great. Cam Miller came in there, did some nice things. I know he got beat for the touchdown at the end, but he was, he was right there. So um, you know, just looking around that defense, you've got options, you've got depth. Um, you, you started to see those defensive ends come around. I know you highlighted Chop Robinson on a couple plays. Um, he did not show up big in the stat sheet. Once again, he had a tackle for loss, two tackles. But, uh, you know, that's uh, I think that's kind of what you're you're grinding out from your defensive line. And, and, and they were pretty darn good today. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, te- the defensive end showed up today. And a lot of a lot of what's happening is teams are taking them away. And because they're taking them away, it leaves Abdul Carter without a running black, uh, running back to block him, and that is a problem. Uh, that's really the problem that when you're facing this Penn State, this Penn State defense is you've got Abdul Carter and two good defensive ends. So when you put Denai Dennis Sutton on the field, you've got basically four pass rushers that you have a problem stopping. Here's a question: Paul wants to know: Is Singleton too easy to take down? Does he have too high of a center of gravity? a hand on his ankles and he loses balance and falls. This is something I've highlighted in an area I think he can improve. Um, but is this something that, uh, as, as Paul is saying, too easy to take down? Um, maybe a little simplistic, but yeah, I mean, I think there's an issue there that in, in terms of his balance, like he wants to get going fast in a straight line. Yeah. Like there's no question about that. So he, he has been brought down maybe... <laughs> I hate to say easily because nothing is easy in that uh, when you're pulling down a 225 pound running back. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he does. He, he has had issues like that in the past. Um, he, he showed up today a little bit as well. Um, we're going to see how that works. I'm fascinated to see the in-season transition that he makes. He did it last year in terms of like being a guy that just bounces everything outside. And then he came back and he learned to be an inside runner. Yeah. And that really helped him as an all around guy. And he was not easy to bring down by the end of the uh, the season last year. Um, so we're, I think we're going to see some sort of, um, transition with that and see how that works. I, I don't know what you do to fix that. I, I don't know. I don't think he's walking around campus in ankle weights this week, um, to yeah. try and get, uh, try and get stronger, but, uh, yeah, there's something he can definitely work on. Yeah. He's just, he's an interesting back and, and we, we've, I've talked about it a couple of times here. He's a good football player and to, to sit here after I, I think he was a driving force in the offense, three care, three catches for 49 yards and, uh, yeah caught the ball like he worked on that this offseason that was a huge improvement something that I thought he could have even had more as we said earlier in the show but yeah there is some there is a an element of both of these guys I think at times you were expecting them to be superstars this year so that is also a perception thing of he's going to be uh, the comp has been Nick Chubb and I think it that's Nick Chubb is the thickest human being I've ever seen in my life um the Nick Singleton is strong. He's very strong, but in terms of pure size and thickness, and he's a tall runner and he runs a little bit upright. So I think that there are, these are some of the natural things that you might have. Latavius Murray might be a closer comparison in terms of upright runner, but Nick, I think is better than that too. Like Murray is pretty much just on train track. So anyway, that doesn't, I I don't, I don't know that that is the necessarily the conversation, but it is a, a talking point here. A lot of not liking the, the commentary on the, uh, on the broadcast today from the chat. So I want to ask Gus, you, Oh, Gus, man, <laughs> like, I, and I'm a fan of Gus Johnson and, ha, and yeah. like, I don't watch a ton of games like from start to finish yeah. um, because I'll watch Penn state games uh, on the road, but we're always chopped up with our, with our days. Yep. That was the most boring Gus Johnson broadcast I've ever been a part of. Um, and I, like I said, I don't, I don't do a ton of them, but it was very, very low key for Gus Johnson. 
Yeah, I so there is a there's a certain thing that's been happening lately with um, touchdown plays. Everyone wants to not get all up into the touchdown play from a play-by-play perspective because half the time there's a penalty or we have to review it or whatever. But there was there was very little like just general excitement that a touchdown happened today from either side. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily. It's very hard to do play-by-play. It's there's a reason I'm sitting here and never I didn't try to do play-by-play myself because don't it is just part awful. It. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and another part is everyone hates you. No matter like you, the best thing you can be is uh, invisible. It's like being an offensive lineman. So I there's there's absolutely no there's no good from from that. Uh, I do want to talk about the next game coming up because one of the things I said in the broadcast, uh, Joel Klatt was absolutely right about this: is you cannot have a more different attack than uh, Iowa going from Illinois to Iowa. The whiteout game against the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes coming up in seven days. How do you feel about that matchup stylistically between Penn State and Iowa? Well, Penn State got a chance to see an orange out today, apparently. So um, hopefully, hopefully it's a little bit different next week. Um, you know, it, it's going to be the, the your father's Iowa team. You know, I don't know I mm-hmm. think they're down right now in a weather delay um, to, to Western Michigan that they're not going to score a ton of points. So it's going to be similar to what you saw, I think, today from from Illinois on both sides of the ball is like, yes, uh, you may not be kicking on all cylinders but you're gonna have that cushion where i was not gonna outscore you and i think that's really what you go back to um tremendously coached offense or excuse me wow that was bad. Uh, <laughs> tremendously coached defense uh at iowa every year so you're gonna have a similar uh, a similar game plan like i think they're gonna throw numbers and try and make drew beat them over top um in the sense that they're gonna keep a safety over top as well so yep. try and meet try and beat them in that uh those those zone areas where you're gonna have to settle down and you're gonna have to catch the ball like we talked a little bit about this earlier but penn state's receivers not good today not good today yeah. so that's that that needs to be something where they where they bounce back malik McLean got his first start uh trey wallace was there by the way and went through warm-ups and was questionable on the uh from the outset but he did not play in the game uh cephas made a nice play on, on a drag liam clifford made that nice play down the field but just a, a an overall lack of consistency uh from the receivers um Keandre Lambert Smith, three catches for 23 yards. That's not going to get, that's not up to his expectations. I don't think it's up to Penn state's expectations. So yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at with, uh, with where those things go. Um, that's certainly something that they're going to have. They're going to have to find some game breakers there and right, you know, coming out of Indiana, it does not, uh, or excuse me, coming out of Illinois, it did not happen. All right. So I just want to address this. Steven, in the chat says need to speak more truth about this team when it comes to Michigan and Ohio state. How many times do we need to see it? Steven, they haven't played either of those teams yet. And you can't, it's easy to predict a loss because of what you saw today, but both teams will be different by the time you get to November. That is just a fact of injuries, attrition, development, growth. All those things are going to happen. Yes. The fundamental issues that you worry about are there, but just because neither of us are saying that this team is terrible, and I apologize, I don't know exactly what the conversation was in the chat, but there was a lot of this earlier in, in of like, this is a terrible team, Michigan's going to destroy them. That has been the conversation in the chat today. We don't know that because both teams are going to be different in a month and a half. So I just wanted to say that before like there's this conversation of how how we're not, being honest here because we're not being negative you're seeing what you want to see like that that is the that is your worldview right there like on this team is you're seeing what you want to see so there's that i see somebody mentioned the score predictions uh you can blame nate bauer for this one he predicted 42 (laughs) points and got there i think i had 38 14 so in the grand scheme of things not too often penn state's got to convert like that's the thing like yep the points were there like there wasn't a situation where they were just out and out struggling, but the points were there. Penn State did not capitalize, left a lot out there, it was, which was a disappointing thing. So we're coming here to the end of the show. Penn State wins 30 to 13. I'm Thomas Frankar. He is Sean Fitz. This is the BWI Live postgame show. If you're here watching on replay, uh, appreciate you watching. Please give the video a like. If you're watching here live, we got almost 500 people hanging out talking about Penn State football with us. Please like the video. Share with your friends. We are bringing you live postgame analysis, conversation, and content immediately after the, the conclusion of every Penn State game, including those games in the middle of the night. 
the whiteout game coming up next week. So we'll have pre and post game coverage for you as well. Uh, any final thoughts on this game or looking forward to the next week of Penn State football fits? Lots to work on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they'll, they'll take this tape and they'll, they'll, they'll learn from it. Absolutely. Um, Drew got to be more on point. Um, but you know, this is three games in as a starter. So you're going to, you're yeah. going to find that receivers need to be better. Um, you know, other than that, you've got, uh, you got yourself a 17 point win on the, on the road in the big 10, which is pretty good. Uh, just some final thoughts. We talked a little bit about uh, Iowa. I thought if if Illinois played coverage, Drew had been so good at reading the field that that would be a problem if they played zone coverage. They did not do that today. Penn State's receivers, I think, struggled to get open, and that led to too much pressure from the interior. Next week, I, I have not watched Iowa yet. But just knowing what they are, they're very good as a zone team. They try to get pressure with four, control the game at the line of scrimmage with those four guys, and then flood zones in coverage. If Drew Aller is the guy from the first two games, Penn State wins that game easily because he is good at seeing the field. If they're able to get pressure on him next week with four, it might be another long day. And we'll dig into the tape. We'll dig into this tape. We'll give you the exact whys and hows. Coming up this week on BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, which, by the way, a great time to sign up and a great time to sign up next week and a great time to sign up right now. Fitz, uh, what's going on at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com right now? I don't know. I just got a text from my buddy that said he's done betting Ohio State, and it made me smile. It made me smile. So <laughs> uh, a lot going up. Greg and Nader at the game, so we're kind of passing the time until uh, their their post game coverage comes out. Of course, impressions, reactions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, check it out on Blue White Illustrated, and it's going to be a big week on the site because the whiteout is coming, which means recruiting news is coming. Uh, stay tuned to Ryan Snyder and myself. We'll be on top of that all week long. All kinds of great content coming up. All that at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back on Monday to wrap some things up. But as we said, everything's always going on. Live post game, uh, more post game coverage on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel as well. James Franklin's press conference, uh, incident analysis from the guys over at the stadium as well. Want to make sure everyone knows what's going on because there's so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being an awesome crowd. We'll be back next time on the BWI Live post game show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.